you have to make sure you stack up enough wins to offset the setbacks. It's as simple as that. As long as you get up one more time than you got knocked down, you're a winner. Fight. Stay in the fight. Keep fighting. Never give up. Never quit. Never quit. Never quit. Now let's join Bill Higgins as he shares the secret to approaching every day with a never quit attitude. Welcome back to the Never Quit Podcast. Welcome back to all of my never quitters. It is Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. I hope you've had a great year. There's still six more days to go in this year, and there's plenty of time, plenty of time for you to still hit some goals and targets that you wanted to hit for 2023. So today's episode is going to be Christmas-themed, right? The last couple years around Christmas time, I did a couple Christmas-themed episodes, and this, this year is going to be no different. But the thing I want to talk about to you today is on sales. And I talk about sales a lot on this podcast. Um, And the reason for that is everything we do in life has some sales component to it, right? I do sales for a living, but I also realize that all throughout life, everything we do has a sales component. You are selling yourself every day in some way, shape, or form. No matter what you do, you have to sell yourself. And you are being sold every day by other people by companies, by television, by the media, by everything around you, people are trying to sell you on something, right? So if you have a little bit of sales background, if you can master sales, you can master life. So I like to talk a lot about sales. And one of the things I do in my career is every Friday morning, I do a Facebook Live with our sales team, and I talk about how they could get better at sales, give them some tips, some strategies, some things that they could do to become better sales reps, right? Now, I, I had a really uh, positive, I thought, uh, Facebook Live this week, and I wanted to incorporate it into my podcast, a um, little more general maybe on the podcast than, than it is specific to my, my team and the products that we sell, but the theme itself is going to be all the same. The thing about sales, no matter what, there's so many books and, and podcasts and videos and presentations and trainings, there's so much information out there about sales. But believe it or not, it really boils down to one very critical thing. There is one word that describes what sales really is, and that's motivating. You have to motivate people to act in sales. That's what you do. You put forth the reasons that they should act. Motivate them to act. Motivate them to buy. Motivate them to complete the sale, right? Both parties have to be motivated to act for a sale to take place. So it all comes down to motivating the buyer, right? The seller is usually motivated because he's the one taking action, trying to sell. But sometimes the motivations of the seller become important too. You know, why is the seller selling, right? And if the buyer can know why the seller's selling and what those motivations are, it's going to put the buyer in a better position as well. But sales boils down to motivation, right? So what I want to talk to you about today is one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies. I talk about it a lot. It's a Wonderful Life. Jimmy Stewart's It's a Wonderful Life. Because there are a lot of sales going on in this movie, right? There are a lot of sales going on in this movie. But the biggest sale of all involves George, right? George being sold on taking over the building and loan. 
He doesn't want to do it, right? George has big dreams, big aspirations. He's going to go away to college. He's going to travel the world, right? That's a big theme in the movie. And George does not want to take over the family business. He does not want to be involved in the building and loan, right? Right from the very beginning, we see this ambitious young man, George, goes in there, hits that little uh, lighter thing uh, where you make a wish. He says, I wish I had a million dollars. Hot dog, right? George has big aspirations, big things he wants to do. He pulls out, when, even when he's a little boy and he's talking to Mary at the, at the uh, soda counter there and he pulls out the magazine and uh, shows her you know, where coconuts come from and all the places in the National Geographic magazine that he's going to travel to, that he's an explorer, right? He starts this at a young age. Obviously, he's ambitious. The young man has a job while other kids are out there uh, playing on the street. He's in there working hard at the soda shop uh, for Mr. Gower, right? So George is an ambitious young man, and he has a dream. And the building and loan does not, does not play into that dream at all. But his father wants him to take over the building and loan. The community really, uh, deep down, wants George to take over the building and loan as we see as the movie progresses. George doesn't want to do it. He's not motivated to do that. He's motivated to travel the world, right? So early in the movie, there's, there's a cue where um, he's sitting at dinner with his dad. And his dad, you know, is asking him about his dreams, his future, his plans, right? And you could see his dad's trying to direct him into taking over the building alone. And George is very uncomfortable with this conversation. He doesn't want to do it. His father tries to motivate him. You know, George says he wants to make a difference in the world. And his father sees that as George's motivation, right? You want to make a difference? Listen, in a way, the building alone does make a difference, right? And he starts, he sees what's motivating George, and he tries to capture that motivation and turn it into taking over the building alone. Hey, George, we, you know, the building alone makes a difference. We build homes for people. We give people, we help people fulfill their dreams. He, he sees George's motivation, and he tries to sell them on it, however, unsuccessfully, right? So then we Go forward a little bit. Actually, later that same night, we find out George's father passes away. George takes over the building and loan for a very short period of time. He's an interim um, uh, manager of the bank. He's going to take over the bank. He's motivated to do that, to see his father's you know, work through, but only until somebody else takes over the building and loan, right? So George still isn't sold. He's motivated a little bit. He's moved from a one to a three maybe, right? But he's still not, he's still not buying. He's not taking over the building alone yet. He's going to wait to have the board meeting and somebody else is going to vote for a successor to George's father. So he's at that meeting. He's ready to wrap it up. He's going to start his world travels, right? And sure enough, it comes up at the meeting that Potter's making a motion to dissolve the building alone, right? Now, this is his father's legacy, right? George likes what he's seen the building and loan do in his community. And he doesn't like Mr. Potter, right? So now we have some new motivations coming into play. George is now motivated, motivated to do something different maybe, right? Because he sure as hell doesn't want Potter having the building and loan dissolved, right? We finally found his motivation. We finally found his motivation. The seeds were planted you know, from his father, you know, talking to him, his father passing away, the short time that he's running the building alone. But it's Potter taking over, dissolving the building and loan, destroying his father's legacy, uh, what he built, destroying something that's so important to this community that George so loves, right? We see that throughout the movie. George loves this community, Bedford Falls. Even though he wants to travel and get away, George loves Bedford Falls. 
So what happens here? George says, eh, 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 I'm staying. And they vote to make George the president of the building and loan. He takes over as chairman of the building and loan. He didn't really want to all this time, but the motivations finally were there. Everything clicked together. And here's George running the company. Now, he doesn't want to do it forever, right? Again, this is a, good, this is a stopping point, right? Maybe his brother comes back uh, from the war, takes over the building and loan, which was the plan all along, right? Maybe it doesn't. Fast forward a little bit further. George gets married, right? They have the run on the bank. George solves that problem, all right? And he falls in love with the work that he's been doing and, and it slowly but surely becomes his career. Wasn't his original plan, but he eventually gets sold that this is his calling to take over the building and loan, right? It was the threat of closing the building and loan, seeing his father's legacy destroyed that finally motivated him, motivated him to stay on. He was finally motivated and he was sold, right? The reason that's so important is because you can see when sometimes you're trying to sell something, whether it's a product or an idea to somebody and they're resistant. The reason they're resistant is you haven't gotten to their real motivation yet. You haven't been able to motivate them. So the key is to find that motivation. And sometimes it takes time, a lot of questions, a lot of work, a lot of time put into it. Keep digging, keep digging, keep peeling that onion back, right? But once you find that person's motivation, everything falls into place. Easy peasy, right? Once you find their motivation, but until you find that person's motivation, and this happens with everything, it happens with kids, right? Until I can find a way to motivate my kids to do what I want them to do, they're not going to do it. Kids are the, are, are the ultimate um, uh, the ultimate life experience in sales, right? They're constantly selling you. You're constantly selling them. They're trying to motivate you to do what you want them to do. Sometimes it's even just to shut them up, right? So we're trying to motivate each other in sales. That's all we're trying to do. So there's other sales that take place uh, throughout the movie. It's a Wonderful Life that I just want to touch on um, because I think they're important. And there are other opportunities for you to see how sales how sales is a big part of every everyday life. And I want you to watch. I don't know. A lot of people have the tradition to watch the movie It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas Eve. I know I certainly do. Uh, when we come home for the evening, get ready to get the kids to bed once everybody's tucked in or wrapping presents. I'm usually watching It's a Wonderful Life. Well, I watch it a couple times throughout the Christmas season. But when you're watching it tonight, watch it and looking for the sales. Watch people Attempt to sell things, ideas, concepts, watch people buy, watch people find the motivations, right? So in the old uh, Granville house that Mary wants to live in, right? Remember when she says that she made that wish that that's where she was going to live someday with George? She has to sell George on that idea. George does not love this house, right? George does not love this house, but Mary makes it a home, right? That's how she sells it to George. She makes this old house a home, where they want to live. And, you know, at the end where George is upset, he, it comes out, right? He doesn't like this drafty old house, right? The, the, the railing's falling apart, right? There's just so many things George doesn't love about the house. But Mary sold him by making this house a home where they raised their family, where there's so much love and joy and happiness, especially at the end of the movie, right? So that was a sales pitch on Mary's part. How do I sell George on wanting this house to be our home, Right? Uh, another one, Clarence has to sell Joseph on getting his wings, right? How does he do that? Well, he gets sent in, on a mission and he has to complete that mission to get his wings, right? He's selling Joseph on 
everything he's doing. He keeps telling him, I'm trying my best here, Joseph. I'm trying my best. I want to get my wings. I want to do this. But to complete that sale, he has to finish the mission, right? Joseph is motivated to give Clarence his wings if Clarence completes the mission, and that is to save George, right? To save George's life. Um, Clarence selling George on the big idea of the movie, right? That with that you've touched so many lives, and when you're not in it, you leave an awfully big hole, right? But Clarence has to sell George on that concept. George doesn't buy it right away. George versus positions like I've been better if I never been born. So Clarence has to go back and show George all the things that he brought to this community and to other people, and what would happen if he was not present. Right, he sells him on that idea, and George ultimately buys that idea. At the end, begging to have his life back, he wants to live again. He says, "Right." So George was sold by Clarence on the concept that he wanted to live again, no matter how bad things were. The dealing with eight thousand dollar missing money, maybe a warrant for his arrest, maybe going to jail. Right, that was more important to George than anything else when Clarence sold him on that idea. Right. So we had a sale. Clarence, little salesman, Clarence. Right. Selling Joseph, selling George. All right. Um, here we have a sale that was a failure, a failure to sell. Right. There's actually two of them in the movie. One of the failures to sell sell was Potter, Mr. Potter. Right. Mr. Potter wanted to sell George on leaving the building alone and coming to work for him. And he tried his best to find his motivations. If you remember, he has George in the office. He sits him down. He strokes his ego. George, you're the best. You beat me, right? Sometimes we got to stroke somebody's ego to motivate them. Mr. Potter, I doubt Mr. Potter said that very many times in his life. The words, exact words he used to George were, you beat me. Why did he do that? Did Potter really feel like George beat him? No, no, but he felt he needed to say it to motivate George. And he thought he had him. He almost had him. You know, he starts throwing money at him um, and, and George is sitting there thinking as his wheels are spinning. He's like, man, this is going to be an easy life for me. I can make good money working for Potter. But then he realizes he's got to sell his soul. And you ain't going to motivate George by selling his soul, right? Because he's a good man. He's ultimately a good man. And we find that out throughout the movie. So George is not motivated by making a deal with the devil, right? No matter how good that deal might be, he at the very end says, hell no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it, Potter. You can take your offer and you can stick it up your ass. We're not doing this, right? But Pot so Potter, and obviously Potter's probably a pretty good salesman, man. He pretty much runs his town. He says it a couple times. Everybody says it. Potter runs everything except the building and loan, right? He's got he can call the DA, get a warrant for George's arrest. Um all those customers came to him when the when the banks closed, they all went to Potter, right? So Potter's got a lot of power in this community. But he doesn't have the power over George. And he can sell. He obviously could sell. But he couldn't sell George. So there we had a sale failure. In my business, we call that a demo miss, right? He did not complete the deal, right? <clears throat> Another opportunity for selling. George selling his customers on the idea that staying with the building and loan was in their best interest, you know, during that bank run, right? So everybody's going out. There's a bank run. It's during the Great Depression, right? The, the banks are closing, Right, they're they're scared, they're scared, and they could get fifty cents on the dollar for their money if they go with Potter, and they're afraid they're not gonna have anything. So George has to gain their confidence, big part of sales, gain the confidence of your of your customer, right? Gain their confidence, and then make the pitch, 
and then complete the sale. And ultimately, he kept all of those customers. Now, he had to dip into his wedding money, the money he just got as gifts, right, and start doling out cash. And that first customer, kind of an asshole, he's sitting there and he's saying, basically, I want every penny, right? The other ones became a little more reasonable. They accepted less, but he had to give that first guy $250, right? That's exactly what the guy had in the bank. That's exactly what he wanted. So George somehow kept that customer. And if you, I don't know if you catch this, but at the very end of the movie, that same guy is one of the guys coming in and giving money to George in the, in the basket. Actually, everybody does. But George had to sell his customers on not taking less money guaranteed by selling out to Potter. How did he do that? By gaining their trust. He motivated them by gaining their trust. He started pointing out to them, hey, look, the guy's like, I want my money. He's like, your money's not sitting in this bank. It's tied up in Mr. Martini's home, right? Or this other person's home that we invested in, right? We used your money to invest. He had to explain the bank process to them. But he gained their confidence. Those people like George. So they were motivated by their relationship with George. A lot of times were motivated by relationships. They were motivated by their relationship with George. Okay. And then ultimately... They were motivated to stay, stay on with George. He gave them all a little bit of money, make them feel a little comfortable. They didn't all need it all, and they stayed with George. So George had to sell those customers on staying with the building and loan being in their best interest after the bank run, and he did. So another great sale uh, by George, um, who's also a salesman. He's not just a buyer in this movie. Um, George, um, you know, love story angle here. George was also had to sell Mary on the idea to marry him instead of Sam Wainwright, right? Sam Wainwright, right? Kind of easy sell. Sam Wainwright was kind of a jerk, right? You know what I mean? Uh, I think George was the better guy. It was an easy sell. But George had to complete that sale. One other epic fail sale here involves Sam Wainwright. And that is Wainwright trying to sell George on going into business with him, investing with him, right? He's got him on the phone. He says, get in on the ground level, the soybean business, the plastics business, whatever angle he's trying to sell. He's trying to motivate George with his friendship, with money, right? With uh, the lure of riches. But George doesn't bite. George doesn't bite because he's already got one thing he wants to do is travel the world, go to college, travel the world. His backup plan obviously becomes staying at the building and loan. Getting involved with Sam Wainwright in business, that was never gonna that was never gonna be George. So there's another uh, epic fail, demo miss on the part of Sam Wainwright not being able to sell George on uh, his businesses, which actually turned out to be successful. But you notice George didn't have any regrets about that. He didn't have any regrets about that. And Wainwright still gave George George takes his girl, doesn't go into business with him, right? And Wainwright still comes through with twenty five grand at the end of the movie. Uh, to give to George. So Wainwright did not complete the sale. Um, and that was another uh, sale failure. So both, both Potter and Wainwright uh, lost uh, sales in this movie. But George, Clarence, Mary, uh, and the Bedford Falls community as a whole, George's father, all had successful sales, right? So five, five out of seven uh, sales complete to Demo misses, right, as we call it in my business. So watch the movie again with an angle towards sales. When you watch that movie and look for a sale, and there's probably others, right? If you see another sale take place in this movie, please share it with me. Comments, email, text. I'm easy to get a hold of. I, I always laugh when people tell me, I try to get a hold of you. I couldn't get a hold of you. Anybody who knows me that is knows that that is 100% BS. If you want to get a hold of me, I'm easy to get a hold of. I'm easy to find. Pretty, pretty, uh, 
I'm quick to give out my email and cell phone to anybody who wants it. I'm on all the social media, Facebook, Snapchat, right? If you want to get a hold of me, you can. But anyway, um, yeah, if you see other sales in this movie that I didn't mention, other themes, other ideas to talk about, please share them with me. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, if I see any good ones out there, I'll bring them up on the next podcast. Anyway, that's all I got for today. It's a lot. I hope it helps you. I hope it helps you become a better salesperson. Hope you, hope it helps you become a better person. Because just like everywhere and everything, sales are plentiful in the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Look forward to talking to you again real soon. In the meantime, have a great day. Never surrender. Never give up. Never quit. Tomorrow isn't promised, but today is. Get out there. Make the very best of it. Your best days lie ahead of you. Have a Merry Christmas.